I'm going to be talking about Jonah. We're going to do each chapter of Jonah. You don't get that chance, really, to go and read the entirety of a book. Now, there's at least one church in town that I've heard. They, they say they're preaching through John. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You're preaching through the Gospel of John. How long did that take? Well, we're about two years in now. So that's, that's all you're talking about is John? And I'm like, okay, it's a different perspective than we have. That's, that's fine. That's them. They also preach for like an hour. I'm not going to do that either. Thank God. But that's where we're at. But I'm excited about this. Jonah is a unique, I sent this email yesterday about Jonah, a little bit about what we're doing here. He's a unique, fascinating, and a really strange book. Actually, almost sort of breaks the mold on purpose in a lot of ways. And the first way is that Jonah, Jonah's a really terrible prophet. He's a really bad prophet. He's not good at his job. Not at all. Because what does a prophet do in the, in the scriptures? Well, a lot of times you think of prophecy as telling the future, and that's not quite exactly what prophets do. Prophets look at reality. Prophets look at what's going on. They see the signs of the times. And if you look at the signs of the times, you can project out and say, oh, you know what? Well, down the road, if we don't change course, here's what's going to happen. And they frame that in terms of God's word. You are going against the way God intends for us to be, so God's going to come down on you unless you change course. Right? That's the way the prophets operate. And the prophets, you'll see if you read King, the books of Kings and the books of Chronicles, and even in the books of the prophets themselves, there's all the different prophets. Most of the Old Testament is books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Hezekiah. Those are the names of prophets, right? And you'll see them arguing with each other. They'll have arguments about what's actually going on and what the kings of Israel and of Judah should do. In fact, the prophets were a court position. Prophets actually existed in the court of the kings to help advise and tell the kings what to do. And then there were some prophets who came up out of the country and were not official prophets. And they'd come into the big city and they would usually say things the king didn't really want to hear. And Jonah is one of those court prophets. We hear about Jonah outside of the book of Jonah, like we do most of the prophets. He shows up in 2 Kings. And in his prophecy, there's one prophecy that comes true, it says. He prophecies that the borders of Israel will expand, Israel being the northern kingdom. There were the two kingdoms after Solomon's time, the northern kingdoms where Jonah is. He says they're going to take Damascus and parts of Syria and really be an expanding, expanding kingdom. And apparently that happened. But at the same time, the prophet Amos in the book of Amos says, you know, you're going to do this and it's going to bite you in the butt. And Amos's thing comes true too. And so Jonah's prophecy actually might be accurate as far as what they want to see politically, what he wanted to see politically, what the king wanted to hear, but it doesn't seem to really have been a God-given prophecy of what really needed to be happening. So Jonah's not a good prophet. And that's even before we get to the book of Jonah, which we heard the first chapter of this morning. I mean, do I have to explain to you why Jonah's a bad prophet in the book of Jonah? The very first sentence, the first sentence says, and the word of God came to the son, to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and said, go to Nineveh. And in that same sentence, basically, it says, and 
he decided to go to Tarshish instead. He said, I'm going to run from God. The first sentence of the book, the prophet Jonah, one who speaks for God, the son of Amittai, and Amittai means truth or faithfulness. So that's a joke in there too. The son of truth rejects God's clear instruction. Jonah's a terrible prophet. And this is what I want to get in with Jonah. This is why Jonah is so interesting. Is that Jonah draws on all these different things within Scripture. And it draws, draws on these different things within history. And it draws on these different things within human nature. And these different things within spirituality. All these things are working in Jonah. And so if we have this, this little book, that's such a great little story. And it upends our expectations in important ways and points things out. And so that's why I wanted to spend this time looking at Jonah, the story of this terrible prophet, this guy who does not do his job well. Because how many of you have ever heard God clearly speaking to you, do this? Go here. Say these words. I haven't. I haven't heard that clear voice. That's maybe breaks the expectations of what preachers are. I don't think so in this church. Not so much, no? Good. But you hear these stories. And but one of the things ministers talk about, we say, you know, I tried and tried and tried to do something else, and then God just kept slapping me upside the head. Finally wound up here, doing this. And so this idea of call, this idea of following your calling, even if it's not as clear as Jonah's, the story of that being a struggle is a really real thing. I'm going to guess that as you look back at your life, that as you look back at your individual life, you can see those places where you say, oh, you know what? I think God was maybe trying to give me a hint. God was trying to give me a hint here or there. And I didn't go that way. And things just didn't really work out that well. Now, I'm not a person to say that God has one prescribed path one prescribed path that everyone is going to follow step by step. God goes with us on this journey, and God has, gives us wisdom, and God gives us some insights. That's what the Holy Spirit does, the scriptures tell us. And so this is the way that our faith gets lived out, as we hear something, and we may not really understand exactly, but we try. And there may be possibilities that go out in different directions. And, and part of the problem sometimes, I think, is that we think that if we're holy enough or we're good enough, we will hear the voice of God speaking to us clearly and saying, clearly this is the one thing you're supposed to do. And so that's what we start asking for. We start asking for that clear voice. And if we don't get it, we get confused, we get worried about it. That maybe, maybe God doesn't really have a plan for us. And, and frankly, Part of the reason for that perspective, that sort of story about how prayer works and how faith works, is things like Jonah, where in Jonah, he clearly hears the word of God. It says, God spoke to Jonah. The same thing happens to Samuel. The same thing happens to Isaiah. The same thing happens to Elijah. It happens over and over again. Well, for one thing, they're prophets. And that's a specific kind of thing. So if we think of it that way, if you're not a prophet, that's okay. There's not that many of them. But the other part is, 
Remember that these are stories. Remember that these stories are telling something about how God operates in the world. And sometimes the story cuts to the chase a little more. So that maybe when it says that God spoke to whoever, they received some kind of understanding and then shared it. But it wasn't quite as clear as a bell as it may seem once they've spoken the message God wants them to speak. So maybe it is a little bit more like how all of us are. But back to Jonah. Back to Jonah. The reason I say all that is to set up the fact that Jonah is, again, telling the story in a very succinct, straightforward fashion. And so we understand that here's, what, here's what's going on. Well, in other prophets, in other prophets, the book of Isaiah, the book of Ezekiel, etc., what you get mostly is the prophet saying, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. This or that's going on. Here's God's judgment on this thing or that thing. Most of, this, most of it is the speaking of the prophet. Well, how much do we hear from Jonah? Jonah doesn't look like that at all. So in the sense of a book of a prophet, Jonah's not a good prophetic book either. The book doesn't do its job right. Because there's not a lot of prophecy in the book. It doesn't go into depth. It doesn't have all this stuff. And so in Isaiah and Ezekiel and other places, what we're doing when we wonder about what was happening at that time, we have to really dive into it and figure out what are they talking about? And it's hard sometimes to figure out what is the prophet even talking about? And then we line things up and, and make sense of it. Oh, they're talking about this king at this point, and that relates to this story in Kings, and it's confusing. Well, Jonah's not, in some sense, it's not a book of prophecy. Instead of it being a book of the prophet's prophecies, it's a book about the prophet's story. But I'm going to go one step further. I am really certain that Jonah was not written about someone who knew Jonah very well. Jonah, for a lot of different reasons, scholars can say was written a lot later than other books in the Bible. Not all of them, but written later than a lot of them. And so it's, it's a commentary. Jonah itself is a commentary on those other prophetic books or a commentary on how people responded to the prophets. And if you think of it that way, it again starts to get into all these different layers that Jonah has in it. So, what is Jonah doing? He's running from God. He's been told to go to Nineveh. Nineveh, do you know where Nineveh is? Nineveh is where Mosul in Iraq is now. It's not a place where God worshipers are, by and large. The Assyrian, and it's the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And the thing you'll hear in a lot of the other prophets are condemnations against the Assyrian Empire. Because the Assyrians come and eventually wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel, completely wipe it off the map. Have you ever heard about the 10 lost tribes of Israel? That's where they went. The Assyrians came and they scattered them across their empire leveled it. So that's the Assyrians. The Assyrians were the most brutal, 
war machine of the early of the ancient world. They were the first great empire, first huge empire. They had no mercy on their enemies. They came in, they leveled a town, took everyone into captivity, the ones they didn't kill. And in order to break up the resistance, they settled them in different parts of the empire. Oh, your family goes here, your family goes there, your family goes here. So you're completely cut off from your community and your country. That's who the Assyrians were. So they are the enemy. It's really, really, really like if you were to be in 1940s France and say, the Germans. That's how threatening Assyria was for the kingdom of Israel where Jonah lived. So there's something really crazy happening there, first of all. God says, in that first sentence where it says, I have judged, I have, it, says, it says judged, it says, you know, I have, uh, you know, preach against Nineveh. In the original Hebrew, it actually seems more like preach to Nineveh, preach for Nineveh. It's less of the condemnation kind of preaching. It's less, I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong. It's more the kind of warning a prophet would give to his own country. Go, warn them. They're on the wrong path. So in fact, Jonah's first directive is not to go and tell Assyrians how evil they are. It is, but not for the purpose of God saying, you are against me. It's God telling these violent, horrible Assyrians that I'm worried about you. I'm worried about the path you're on. The Assyrians are being treated like Israel. And that's another surprising thing. So all of that history plays into what's going on here with Jonah. And then the story, where does he go? Tarshish. Says it, well, I, I don't want to go to Nineveh, I want to go to Tarshish. We don't actually know where Tarshish is. There's Tarsus, where is Turkey now, on the south coast of Turkey? That's actually not that far. And then there's a whole spectrum of other theories about where Tarshish might be. The way that's best understood, that I think is best understood to say Tarshish, is the way I might say, I'm going to Timbuktu. Have you heard that before? Let me go all the way to Timbuktu. Well, Timbuktu is a real place. It was a real place and is a real place. But people didn't really know where it was. It was so far away, it seemed like just a, and the name sounds so strange. And so that's where Tarshish, Tarshish is. It's like saying, I'm gonna go, go to the ends of the earth. I'm going all the way to Timbuktu. He's going all the way to Tarshish. And so a lot of people have placed it in Spain, which of course would be the far west of the world as they understood it at that time. It means he's trying to go as far away as possible. And why would Jonah even think that was a thing to do? Jonah, who's a prophet, who's heard God's voice directly? Well, here's the other layer, the other layers. In the ancient world, and it's something we have a hard time getting our brains around. How did religion work? What did the gods do? Every city had its god. And there were gods for different purposes. Sailors had their gods. Farmers had their god. It's the god of agriculture, the stuff you learn about about Greek myth. But it really was what they thought. 
if I go and sacrifice in this temple to this God, that's the God of this locality, of this place, that's going to bless me then. If I offer the right sacrifices, if I'm a sailor and I offer the right sacrifices, the God of the sea will bless me. But if I get to a place, maybe Tarshish, where that God isn't worshipped anymore, well, that God's not going to be present there or not going to have much power there. This is why the sailors in the story come to him and say, hey, pray to your God. Did you notice that? Pray to your God. We've prayed to our gods. We've, we've dialed all the numbers and none of them are ringing. So what about you? Do you have somebody else in mind? And this is where Jonah really proves himself a terrible prophet. And yet, actually, in his ignorance is his wisdom, because he says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God of heaven who made the dry land and the sea. And it's like this aha moment, which is, which is what faith is, right? Spirituality is, our life is, over and over again, it's aha moments. Oh, I knew that. Duh, of course. That story about me and my minister colleagues so often tell that God kept slapping me upside the head. Of course, of course this is where I belonged. So when I went to seminary, the first thing I said was, well, I'm take my preaching class. There's no way I'm going to be a preacher. No way. And that was about six months until I realized I was just completely wrong about that. And so Jonah says this, and he realizes in that moment, because he is a prophet, even if he is a bad prophet, what he is really trying to do. He knows who the true God is. And in fact, this is one of these moments in Scripture where you can see the understanding changing for the people. Where you can see that understanding changing. Because in the original stories, God does battle with the other gods. God does battle with Pharaoh, who's a god. God does battle against the gods of other nations, or that's at least the way the prophets talk about it. Because they're still in that mindset that there are different gods for different places. David, during the battle with Goliath, before he slays Goliath, he says, I will defeat you to prove there is a God in Israel. And that's a weird thing to say. There is a God in Israel. What do you mean in Israel? Well, he means in Israel. The God of Israel here, our people, is better than yours. And then there's this development. The prophets are the ones who do it. The prophets start to say, well, you know what? God's actually the God of everything. This God that we worship, the God here in Israel, is actually the God of everything. And this is what Jonah is aware of. And it's what we're aware of too, and we still sometimes find ways to silo ourselves off from what God is telling us in our lives. So here's the final thing about Jonah. The final important thing about Jonah is that the story of, the story of Jonah, I've given you some of the background here, some of the interesting tidbits, hopefully. But the story of Jonah is about the journey of faith. The journey of faith that we, as human beings, do 
really poorly most of the time. And so Jonah is a hopeful story in that way. Jonah, who is so bad at being a prophet, he's so bad at just being a follower of God. But we'll see what God does with him anyway. And we'll see what God is able to do and what God does in response to Jonah's disobedience and hard-headedness in the next few weeks. Because there's all sorts of ways that we run away from God. In fact, for most of us, it's, it's, about, it's not so much about running from God, it's about staying where we are, stuck. Stuck in toxic relationships or stuck in bad habits, patterns of behavior that hurt us. Stuck in a mindset that cares about some kind of worldly success. And so, it's actually the staying that keeps us running from God. It's a turning our back, like Jonah does. And we have to eventually realize that's impossible. we got to come to the very lowest of low points. And for Jonah, that's being thrown in the sea. Because when he realizes what he's actually doing, I'm trying to run from the God who made the heaven and earth, the land and the sea. Uh, that's right here. I haven't done any good about getting away. And what does he do, this bad prophet? He gives himself up. He gives himself up for the sake of these people who are not his people. These people who don't know him, who are praying to strange gods. He says, for you, I'll jump out into the middle of the ocean. Y'all throw me overboard because I've messed up. And so the God who gives and makes so much, once Jonah reconnects to what he knows, he realizes his call is to be there for others. And so he has his insights like, oh, okay. Jonah gets it for a second. And that's a huge decision, obviously. And so just when Jonah thinks he's at the very end, as he's sinking through the depths of the Mediterranean Sea, says his head in the next chapter, we'll hear him talking about his head being wrapped in the weeds and the grass at the bottom of the ocean. A fish swallows him up. And next week, I'm going to try and tell you how being swallowed by a fish is a way of experiencing God's grace. Amen. Amen.